Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Christine Capio first came to Hong Kong from Paris 30 years ago and one month later would marry her boyfriend Stephen Cheung Yan Leung, these days the president of the Education University of Hong Kong, which was formerly the Hong Kong Institute of Education. In her book, Guaymoy's Hong Kong Story, Christine describes her arrival here and meeting Stephen's family, learning the yin and yang of soups and how Stephen's grandfather had bought two gold bangles when his grandson was born. Christine Capio and I chatted at the iBakery, a social enterprise that employs young adult workers with special needs and is one of the outlets where Christine volunteers. So let's go back to 1983 and student life in Paris. I was studying in Paris in uh, 1983. I went there. I'm from Lyon. And then I went there to further my studies. And so I... I lived in a quarter, student's quarter in Nanterre, and uh, then I met my future husband, a Chinese, a Hong Kong Chinese guy. So Stephen Chang. Yes, that's it. That's him. <laughs> and uh, he was uh, a student uh, in uh, statistics. He studied at UCU for three years. Actually, he's got a scholarship from the French government. So when I met him in '83, was uh, he had already been in been in France, living in France for one year, so he was speaking very good French already, so we, it was easy to to talk to him and to, to meet him. Yeah. Now, more than 30 years on, what do you communicate in now? We are communicating both in French and Chinese and Cantonese now, yeah. Most of the time I would say at home is, uh, is French, I'm the lazy one, <laughs> or maybe I'm afraid he's going to forget it. <laughs> And then it's kind of mixed, actually. It's kind of mixed, yeah. And your children, how have they been brought up? Uh, I've got one son now. He's 26 years old. So I always spoke to him in French. And uh, Stephen Yanni was speaking to him in Cantonese. And he was studying in an English-speaking uh, school, yes. So I was always wondering if he had any difficulties coping with three languages and asking the teacher, you know, we, we don't speak English at all at home, you know, we don't feel it's not our language. And uh, she said, don't worry, don't worry about him, you know, so well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so what, what's his language of preference now? Now I would say he's been living, he left Hong Kong when he was 16, he's been studying in UK and uh, he's been working in UK, now he's in Germany. So um, I think he's more... Uh, fluent. I mean, it more 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 um, easy to speak in English, but uh, but he always speak French with me. He's also he yeah, a friend in French, and Cantonese. I think if he comes back, he will. Uh, he knows how to speak, but um, you know, he's used to speaking English now, so it's faster for him to speak in English. Yeah. So that's your beginnings. You meet a young Chinese man called Stephen Chang. Stephen <laughs> Chang is uh, actually these days the head of the recently titled. Hong Kong Education University up in the New Territories. Uh -huh. But when so you meet uh, Yan as you, uh, using his Chinese name, obviously you liked Yan very much, but can you recall, going back those years, what were your first impressions So he came from Hong Kong? What were your first thoughts about what Hong Kong would be? I have no special idea how Hong Kong would be. And he always told me, okay, I could, I could go with him. Uh, it was no, no problem. He always said that uh, Hong Kong was very hot, I was just thinking that uh, I would like to go and, and see by myself. So it was hot. you knew that it was yeah. going to be hot and humid? Yes. I, I mean, uh, astonishingly, when I came here in 1993, I 
had done very little research. I expected everything to be, and I'm sure I'm not alone on that, I thought it was going to be just the skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about the countryside, and in fact yes, now yes. you live in the countryside. Yeah. You never mentioned about the beautiful countryside, island, or beautiful parts of Hong Kong, which, which I like very much, and so I didn't mind at all to find... After hearing about the crowd, when I came, I was oh, it's not so crowded. <laughs> Finally, yes. was expecting even worse, you know, yes. in terms of weather or crowd. So I, in that way, I have no preconceived ideas, you know, and I was very happy to discover all good things about Hong Kong. I'm talking with Christine Capio about her book, Guimoy's Hong Kong Story. We're sitting here at the I Bakery, in fact, in Tamar. And uh, if you do hear a little bit of microphone in the background, they're just getting ready for a morning event. But uh, I thoroughly recommend coming to I Bakery, a quick advert there, um, because they are right here, smack in the middle of Tamar, and uh, serve up. Uh, lovely drinks and food um, and they are part of the Tunghua group of hospitals that's another story we'll do your volunteer work in a moment but let's going back um, so you arrive here in Hong Kong in 1986 now tell me about your wedding oh my wedding it happened very quickly actually I was not uh, expecting to get married so quickly and uh, I came in June, 21st of June, and I was married one month later. <laughs> so we had a very simple uh, wedding, and um, most to the disappointment of my mother-in-law, who would have liked she has five daughters and one son, and she would have liked to have the traditional wedding, you know, with, uh, which I realized afterwards would have been very complicated and uh, very tiring for me, not speaking Cantonese and knowing what's been up going on. And, uh, so what did you wear? So I wear a chongsam, you know, the Chinese-style dress, uh, a black one, <laughs> which my sister-in-law gave me, a beautiful one. <laughs> also, I mean, I've never thought of getting married in a black dress, you know, and with a nice embroidery, golden color, red, and uh, red shoes, and uh, just uh, very, very simple. And, um, and we went to register at the city hall. And we were the last one to register on that day. And we were late. Everybody was waiting for us. <laughs> it was raining. Big traffic jam. And then we have dinner with uh, just a table of 12, you know, my mother-in-law, my sisters-in-laws, and uh, two best friends of my husband. So very, very simple. Now, prior to the wedding, you had actually gone to see Jan's grandparents oh, yes, um, in, yes, the, in the yes. New Territories. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did, Jan. And it was a surprise. Uh, Jan didn't mention it to me. And, uh, okay, I knew we were going to visit them and to tell them formally we're getting married. And suddenly the grandpa uh, took out a brown envelope, you know, out of his pocket and gave it to, to Jan and me. And when I opened it, I discovered two gold bangles, you know, Chinese style, you know. And uh, beautiful, and uh, and then he said, I mean, uh, Yan translated it to me that these bangles have been made when Yan was born, so in uh, in 1959. So he was, you know, ready for him, for his future wife, for his for his wife. I so find that so so. I mean, so cute. I mean, it's so amazing. And uh, you imagine, you know, they had it made uh, to to prepare, you know, this gift for me. Didn't even. You know, guess or could guess that his uh, future, how we said, uh, grandson's wife would be a Kwaipo, Kwaimui. <laughs> and it was interesting also just this idea that this is being prepared before you are even born. Yes, before I was even born, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's kind of very special, you know. I don't know if nowadays a lot of them, you know, like in France, 
I don't imagine people doing this, you know, preparing a gift for the future uh, grandson's wife. Or I wouldn't. <laughs> what was the What was the grandparents' reaction to you back then in the eighties? I couldn't understand what they were saying, but what I could see, there was big smiling faces and chatting happily with uh, with Jan. And I think they quite open minded. They didn't mind at all. They were welcoming me and very very happy. Yeah, they didn't mind yeah, having a. Quite more for be part of the family. Yeah. Being married to Jan, and uh-huh. so you've got this multicultural household. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, now, when you first arrived in the 80s, and and certainly when I came here in the early 90s, it was interesting to see what existed of international food, for example. And um, but um, did you miss things like French cheese? Uh, not especially cheese, but bread. I love bread. And uh, so I discovered, I mean, my sister-in-law brought me, at that time there was uh, Sogo and Daimler World, this uh, department store, Japanese department store. So whenever I was missing, you really wanted to eat some very good French baguette, then I would, uh, I would go there and buy. Did you find generally that your diet changed, though, uh, as the years went on, you know, when you would actually start cooking Chinese food? Oh, yes, yes, definitely, because my husband is, uh, is Chinese. Also, he likes Western food, French food, but he likes to have rice and soups. Soup is very important for Chinese, for Cantonese people, I discover, and I try to, 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 like, to like soups a lot now. And so he taught me how to, to, to boil soup, to make soup, you know, different kind of soups. And T- tell me about those. About soup, so I discovered that soups, I thought we could, uh, I saw all this kind of soup with different ingredients, and I thought I could make my own soup, you know, Chinese style with a French flavor, but it didn't work, <laughs> didn't work, <laughs> because this ingredient not supposed to be, to go with that one, you know, there's this yin and yang, you know, these kind of balanced things, you know, so I was not aware of. So slowly I, I learned about this, or so friends telling me about that and that and that. So I just follow what he said. He said this has to go like a tzitkwa, you know, can go with the dried octopus and this uh, lotus roots can go with dried octopus as well. And then you can add some uh, uh, sweet dates, honey dates, you know, to sweeten it. So it's kind of a balance. And also for the taste, it makes sense actually when you taste it. But don't try like me at the beginning to put a bit of everything you have in your fridge, tomato, like kind of minestrone, you know, it doesn't work. So Chinese soups are, are very good, actually, and more nutritious and uh, could be a little bit fatty, you know, if you use pork or pork ribs with, with fat, of course. It's, uh, but um, it's very tasty, very nutritious, and they said it's very important for, for your body. So different, different time of the year, you have different kind of soup, like summertime, you will have this uh, winter melon, so it's good to cool down your body. And uh, winter, maybe you will have more like the lotus roots or, you know, more heavier soup. You speak fluent Cantonese, but when you were entering into a Chinese family, I mean, what were some of the cultures and traditions and also all of the specific namings for different members of the family? Yeah, it's still difficult, you know, to to remember who is called, you know, the auntie, the older sisters, husbands daughter you know what's it's still difficult to remember the name even even chinese themselves sometimes they say oh how do you call the, the cousins of the <laughs> so it's a, a very yeah very specific name yeah very precise huh? for us everybody's auntie uncle and uh, nephew niece but for them on both sides father's sides mother's side and if it older or younger than the mother or father is you give a different name yeah so very specific yeah 
So, for example, what would you call um, Jan's mother and late father? I would call it uh, Lalai, Lalai and Ye uh, Ye. I would call Lalai. And on specific festivals during the year, would you then go and see the family graves? Yes, we'd go. Actually, we don't usually go on, the spe- on that specific day because it's too crowded. So uh, we, we just go a few days before or after. Yeah, we do, we, 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 we do, we do go and to burn incense, yes, in front of the, the tablets, yeah. You've enjoyed learning about cooking, cooking mm-hmm. Chinese soups mm-hmm. and all the different ingredients. So when you go to the market, mm-hmm. you're able to use all sorts of Chinese vegetables? Almost. No, not, I, I still discover something. If I don't know, I will ask. Like they always, uh, most of the time I go to the same uh, sales lady, you know, the selling veggies. And I will ask her, I will say, oh, what is this? Or how do you cook it? Give me some idea, you know. Because sometimes you always see the same veggies, like a lot of pa choy, you know, choy sam. Uh, now you have the yin choy, the, sorry, I don't know the name in English. And uh, yin choy, what the tong choy and this. And then I will ask you, okay, what, what do you do with this? Can I use it another way? Because, you know, you have the traditional recipes and everybody uh, has his own, like, family-type recipe. So you can always learn, which is exciting. I mean, you know, like for French cooking, you ask your auntie, your grandma, it's a different way of cooking uh, or different ingredients. So it's, uh, so it's, it's very interesting. To, so that's why going to the market for me is also uh, to... to to know more, I mean, and it's not so boring to cook every day the same stuff. And if you buy at the supermarket, then you cannot ask anybody, you know, how to cook that. Uh, a lot of your career was also spent in teaching. I taught actually the first few years when I was in, when I arrived here yeah, at the French school, I taught arts. Yeah, I mean, the drawings and the ceramics, you know, with the kids. And, uh, so when you taught it. ceramics, how, how to make them? Or? Oh, you know, with the kids, you know, like... Um, uh, kind of modeling, modeling class, yeah, with coils and different techniques, and we had uh, the kiln, so we can fi- we could fire the the clay, which is good because with Hong Kong humidity, it's very difficult to keep, you know, the the artwork of the, the the kids, you know, so they they like it. We we fire them, and then we could put some glaze and fire again a second second time to have it glaze. And do you still enjoy your art? Uh, now nowadays I don't do any ceramics, but I do um, some painting, some oil paintings, and uh, recently I, I did some uh, watercolors for my book. Those are yours. Yeah, that's mine. That's mine. I had yes. no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you're quite good at yourself and your husband as well doing doing portraits. Uh, oh, thank you. Because that's superb, Dita. I'm just looking on the front oh, of Christine <laughs> Capio's Guay Moy's Hong Kong Story, and um, you know, I mean, obviously these were larger when you started off, yes. but you've really in watercolour here. You've got the flats at the back, all of these various neon signs. That takes a lot of control of the watercolours. Uh, it could be better. It could be better. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I have to improve on that. Thank you. Yeah. You've got the harbour and, of course, uh, the vegetables. Now, yeah. 30 years on, mm-hmm. you arrived here in 1986. So, um, what was the impetus for writing the book? You do want to just share your experiences? or It started, actually, I wanted to keep some records, you know, because such years you realise, oh, it's been a long time, been here, and you tend to forget things. So it was mainly uh, some records for myself, and then I said it's good also for my son, because sometimes you never have a, a chance or opportunity to talk with him about oh, why mommy came here, you know, how, did, how does my mom met my, my dad, you know. And then I realized, talking with my husband, all these things I was writing I, was interesting, I mean, for me. And I said, a lot of things I'm writing is actually what people are asking me. 
why did you did you come to Hong Kong? How come you speak uh, you can speak some Cantonese? How you know? I said, oh, maybe it's interesting. So why not trying to write a book? Then it happened. We found a publisher. So that's that's the project. You know. <laughs> Did you so? Did you already have some of this in diary form? Not at all. Not at all. So that was uh, some of the difficulties, you know. Of, uh, uh, yes, finding what would be the, the right thing to say. Would it be interesting and not? And which part to keep, not to keep? And uh, just uh, yeah, thinking about the past. So it was a good exercise also for uh, for, for for me. Yeah, looking at uh, what happened during these thirty years. Writing a book, there's certainly fun aspects to it. It's also quite arduous because you've just got to keep on at it to a certain yeah. extent. And also there's perhaps sometimes uh, for when you've put that amount of effort in, then the knowledge at the end that, that quite a lot gets chopped before the final print. But um, did you find that it made you fall in love with Hong Kong again? Yes, you're right, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, yes. Because the more I, I think about it and people now asking me questions, I say, oh, really, this is a great place. And uh, I realize, yeah, this is a really great place and great people. And But I would also I also realize that uh, learning Cantonese is a big achievement for me and that's changed my life. Or, or I would say my life would have been different if I, had, if I couldn't speak Cantonese. Especially now, I, uh, through Cantonese, you know, it helped me to do the kind of volunteer work I'm doing now. And I met a lot of uh, local friends. Actually, most of my friends are 90, more than 90% local uh, people. And, and I think it helped a lot. It doesn't mean you don't speak Cantonese, you cannot have local friends, but it helps me a lot. And to get accustomed to the life here and enjoying it and... Uh, Yes. When you first arrived, oh, yeah. your husband had already warned you that it could be hot and mm. humid. Mm. Um, although, I mean, I think the winters aren't. Mm. <laughs> but yes, uh, yes, yes, but uh, what would you say uh, were some of the challenges that you faced? Oh, Cantonese, of course, Cantonese. English was difficult as well because I, of, you know, we we, le we learn we learn English at school. I was not bad at English, but. Uh, uh, but when I came, you know, it's different uh, people speaking English, different way, different speed, and I was more used to reading it or listening. Or, and when you have to speak, so you have to, I have to go back. I have to, to attend British Consul classes and to pick up more uh, English, first of all, you know. And uh, then you have this Cantonese. At the same time, it was, oh, I'm living in Hong Kong, you know, I'm learning English, of course, most important. But I think for my daily life, it's still very important, as important to learn Cantonese. So at the same time, I was doing both, but, with, but more interested in learning Cantonese. <laughs> in the past three decades, you've seen huge development here in Hong Kong. What do yeah. you, what, what's your view on that? Uh, yeah, huge development uh, in terms of uh, construction. A lot, a lot, a lot. It was booming in the late 80s, 90s. And now you can see a new airport. We have two more tunnels and uh, um, more routes and, uh, yeah, passes. Because there wouldn't have been any bridges, of course, pre-98. There were no bridges exactly, to... Exactly, going to the airport to Lantau yeah. Island, exactly. It is also more convenient in terms of transportation. In the buses now, you have the names when you want to get off. You know, you know which stations, they all have a name. And before you don't even know, you have to you you had to ask 
people around you, you know, where to get off, and they didn't even know the name, you know, they know the shop, oh, it's near somewhere. So it was difficult, you know, to, to get around. MTR was wonderful, you know, it's still wonderful. I mean, it's easy, it's clean, it's safe. Yes, because you do remark in mm-hmm. your book mm-hmm. um, on how, and I, I mean, that I can absolutely echo mm-hmm. that, is just how safe Hong Kong is. Yeah, when I came here, I, I, I st- before I was staying in, I, I lived in Paris for three years, and uh, I'm a very anxious person. Maybe I'm afraid for for small things, but uh, I felt so safe here. You know, even at night, even by myself. And uh, compared to Paris, I was sometimes uh, afraid. You know, taking MTR, depending at the time and which line, I was not confident at all. But uh, here, I felt very safe. Yeah. Along with making soups that we mentioned earlier, uh, you're also quite a proponent of Chinese medicine. Oh, Chinese medicine. Uh, yeah, it happened if we, yes, also to, to cool your body or this you have special soup. So this, you can mainly buy some packs, pre-packs, you know, in some uh, pharmacy shop. And then uh, it helps, you know, with barley or this kind of things or with winter melon. So this will help cool down your body, especially summertime now. It's good, yeah. So I believe in this kind of things, you know. Even in France, I, my mum believes in, um, in herbs, you know, in uh, herb tea. You know, you boil this uh, mint or chamomile or whatever flowers. I mean, specific flowers, not whatever, but uh, to help you recover from a flu or if you have a headache or minor ailments, of course. So I really believe it in this uh, medicine, you know, natural medicine, if it's not too serious, of course, yeah. You've been talking about the convenience of, uh, you know, the underground system that we have here and uh, other forms of transport. What's your view on something that uh, is a little bit controversial? What's your view on an air-conditioned tram? (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good question. Actually, we need to accept modernity. But remember, a few years back, or when I arrived, you know, the China motorbus, Kowloon motorbus, didn't have aircon, and uh, the main issue was mostly okay. You can talk about environment, and uh, but also it's uh, it will increase the price. So people maybe some people wouldn't mind paying uh, less or as before, no increase, and maybe sweat a little bit. For some people, they like to have more comfort. So you cannot. So, but for me, for the thing thing, the most point, the I always see the thing thing without aircon. You know, is a window open. So this is the, the feeling, the traditional thing thing. I don't mind the comfort, but because I don't have to take it every day, so it's a bit selfish. So I think it's a it's a bit it's a pity. But uh, for people who travel, go to work, use it every day, maybe it's a comfort. Yeah, and it's necessary. We need to keep off, maybe. It's hard eh, to say sometimes, like when you see gentrification, it's good. Maybe you imagine people living in old, decrepit building, and you say, oh, I wouldn't like to live here, you know, it's maybe dangerous. And when, but they when build a new one, okay, that's increased the, the, the rents, and all the shops on the ground floor disappear. So you always have this kind of a positive and negative thing. So it's always a question of yin and yang, balance. <laughs> you remark in your book that you, um, you've moved around quite a bit in those 30 years with, it, with your husband and uh, now are living up in Taipo area. And in fact, 
Taipo sometimes reminds you of the old Wan Chai. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because it's still a, it's a kind of new town, but it's an old uh, city town, and you can still find uh, old shops, uh, traditional shops, and uh, Jewish shop, very flashy, and a concentration of stationeries, medicine shops, and uh, some streets full of, uh, I mean, the market on the street because nowadays there's less and less market in the street they go just go down indoors with aircon <laughs> so typo some parts of typo are still very traditional and uh, more countryside and uh, which is quite pleasant yeah so it's a good mix there yeah i like it you were about to marry your chinese husband so there was a, a big incentive for you to learn Cantonese, mm -hmm. to really uh, um, immerse yourself in the environment of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, there's many, many people like yourself who even go on to spend the rest of their lives in Hong Kong and don't learn Cantonese. Just how challenging is it? To learn Cantonese? Yeah, it, it's, I understand a lot of people give up because uh, if you, you know, you have these tones and uh, if you don't speak properly the right tone, people really don't understand you. And it's very frustrating and you said, why you know it's it's kind of similar like why they cannot guess <laughs> so it's very uh, frustrating and then the other thing is that beside the tones when you we cannot write it so uh, we have this Romani they have the romanization system or the Yale system or Sydney Lao system whatever and you write in a Pingyam but uh, people Cantonese, Hong Kong people don't learn it at school. They don't know it. Most of them don't know this system. So you ask them, they cannot write it down. Like in, in China, it's different. They will write it down. You said, okay, uh, uh, I'm, I'm French, so W-O. They write it W-O is the first tone. So you can copy it down. Okay, you can learn by yourself. And you remember. But for us, there's no way uh, of writing it. So we say, okay, one table. Okay, can you repeat? And they just repeat. So you don't know which, which tone. You don't know how to write it. But you say that it really does. It, 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 it makes you much more part of a community. Yes, it does. Because you, people don't have to... You know, they don't have to translate for you. And also, let's say if there's some jokes or whatever, you know, the time the joke is translated to you, it's no longer funny. You know, a lot of things going on, you don't have to have a translation, and it, and it makes things more, more, more friendly. Yeah. Now, you taught art and ceramics mm. for, for part of your mm. time, um, but these days um, you're doing a, a lot in the volunteer sector and also with young adult workers um, in the F&B industry mm -hmm. often mm -hmm. with, with special needs. Yes. Uh, I quit my job in 2006 or 10 years ago. When I was looking for a job, I met some friends who introduced me to Hong Chi's uh, social enterprise in uh, YWCA at that time, called Garden View. So I started volunteering there, and uh, I think this changed my life. And I met lots of friends there, and I discovered what was uh, volunteer work. And also I discovered what uh, there was people with uh, mentally uh, disabilities, and they could work and they could be part of the community so I discovered and also the food and beverage you know what it is to, to, to serve in a cafeteria actually it involves so many things you know hygiene food uh, lots of things so I've been so then I decided it was uh, very good and I was lucky to not to be able to have to work and to do and to spend some time helping um, 
different NGOs. So I'm helping Hong Chi uh, through his social enterprises, uh, running cafeterias, and also Tonghua Group of Hospital. Now, this model at Ai Bakery, mm-hmm. the earlier one you said at uh, the restaurant, I mean, there's a variety mm-hmm. around Hong Kong that are either uh, conducted by Tunghua Group of Hospitals mm-hmm. or like the Ai Bakery chain or otherwise um, Hong Chi, among mm-hmm. others. Um, what would you, I mean, these uh, young workers, um, have they got a lot to give? Oh, yes. They are, they are very hard worker, workers and uh, hardworking and uh, uh, very, uh, some are very shy. And, but um, overall, they are very frank and very eager to, to, to learn and to, and to do their, their, their best. Yeah. And you can see them improving when they, when, uh, after a few months, you know, being trained here. They improve and more, gaining more confidence and greeting the customers and uh, uh, doing more and uh, to initiate things, you know, not to wait for you to say, okay, go and uh, bring the, the glass of water or ask the customer to sit down there. So it's a big, it's very rewarding. I mean, to to see them that they can, they can be independent. They can work like anybody else. Yeah. Christine Capio, there, the author of Guaymoy's Hong Kong Story. Thanks for listening, and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>